What's up, hot queens? Did you bring the baby gherkins? <laughs> this is when I really felt like maybe we shouldn't do this podcast. Astronomical. I hate to see it. Wasted potential. Are you drunk? <laughs> I am so drunk right now. Welcome to Bad Author Book Club, where we're not like other authors, we're worse. I'm Clarabelle A. Ortega. And I'm Ryan LaSala, and we're two authors reading the most bizarre fiction we can find. So, hello, hot queens. We've got another exciting episode of Model Land by Tyra Banks today. Buckle those seatbelts. But before we get started, a quick reminder to please find and follow us on all social media where we post funny memes about Tyra Banks, impressions of the book, reviews of the podcast, the funny things that people say in Discord, fan art from the podcast, all of that good stuff. You can find us on Twitter at BadAuthorPod, on Instagram at BadAuthorBookClub, our website is BadAuthorBookClub.wordpress.com, and you can find all of our episodes and more wherever you stream, whether that be Anchor, Spotify, Apple iTunes, uh, all of our episodes should be listed out. You can check them out on anchor.fm slash BadAuthorBookClub. Before we get started, yeah. we were we're both considerably browner. Oh. Because yeah. we were in Cape Cod together. Yes. Yeah, we were. Week and it was really fun. Um oh, it sort of felt like being at Model Land. <laughs> yeah, you, just like it. Just, you know what? Yes, absolutely. All these people had roller skates on their feet. Yeah, we saw seals. Oh my god, we literally we we saw so we were on the beach. We're literally looking out to the ocean, seeing real life seals, and Clarival goes, CL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I thought of that every we saw like many of them. And so it was many. a joke that occurred to my brain every single time we saw one. Yeah, we saw one like while we were in the water too, and I was like, Well, that was gotta go. like, that was like the first day too, right? Like we were sitting in the water and I think so okay. Backstory here is I've been to Cape Cod every year, every summer for my entire life because it's Mm -hmm. like a family spot, right? And so I'm like playing tour guide and being like, oh, this happens and this happens. And like, oh, like keep an eye out for this. And I I think I had like mentioned like, oh, yeah, sometimes there are like seals that pop up. And Clarabelle's like, well, I'm really scared of sharks, so I will be getting out of the water because like sharks hunt seals, right? So if you see seals, like probably there's a shark nearby. Um, Anyways... Most of that was, like, just myth and legend until we literally got in the water. And I think, like, 20 feet away, a, like, seal pops out of the water. Like, and, like, looks literally. at us dead on. And it was, I mean, I was shocked. I've never seen one get that close. They were after me. I'm telling you. Well, the thing is also, like, it's not just, like, oh, you know, you hear about uh, sharks coming out when there are seals. There are signs everywhere. Like, you're walking onto the beach and be like, people have died here yeah. in shallow water. Because yeah. of shark attacks. Because there are seals. And then there's a seal near us. And I'm like, well. Well, well. I do love, yeah. The, and the signs aren't cute. Like, there's signs with, like, a giant scary shark on them that's, like, roar, like, through with the wall. With many teeth. <laughs> with many, so many, many teeth. teeth. Yeah, they're, like, they're they're really, uh, they're really very serious about it. But, hey, you know what? We didn't get eaten by any sharks. We did. We saw seals. We, we saw whales. Like, whale yes. spouts in the distance. That was yes. kind of magical. That was wild. That was wild. Um, yeah. We also saw Dina Martina, who is now oh my, my favorite uh, drag queen. And um, can't spoil what she's like. I actually yeah. recommend you don't really like look up videos. And if you get a chance to see her anywhere, mm-hmm. just go. Yeah. 
And absolutely, absolutely. I, I'm, I don't think I've ever laughed so much and so long in anything that I've ever gone to see. Like, it was laughter from beginning to end. Like, I want to go back right now. Like, yes, I was just was. thinking that. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, when people go to Provincetown, the, like, thing that I always recommend that they do no matter what is go see Dina Martina. And I won't give them a ton of context as to, like, what to expect because it's kind of better that way. But she is... My so favorite funny. drag queen, like, so funny. in P-Town. So hysterical. And I, yeah, I walk out of her shows and I'm like, is there, like, a 9 p.m. show? Can I, right. like, go I back? Would do a, I would do a back-to-back. I would sure. do it. <laughs> yeah. So. We also got to see Ginger Minj. Yeah. Which oh. was incredible. And, like, the talent. Such wow. star what power. What a singer. I know. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, she was great. And I should also mention that my parents, my mom and stepdad were with us for this entire thing. Yes. They were, like, sort of, like, they were, like, our, like, wealthy benefactors for the, yeah, the, the week. Basically, the week. Yeah. <laughs> so, they're, like, we, like, dragged them to all these things. And they are such good sports about, like, all of these things. Like, they had a great time. They loved it. So, bring, you know, bring your boomer parents to be Yeah. Time. I mean, they made me climb that sand dune. So... Oh. Oh, the Kate, yeah, the Kate Bush of the Dunes over here. Yeah, never it was, have. It was, I thought I was gonna die, everyone. Oh, it was. It, it was, was intense. Steep, it was. A it steep. was steep, and it's sand, yeah. so it's moving. Right. And famously, I had never climbed a sand dune before, so. Oh, famously, yeah, like famously <laughs> has never set foot on a sand. No, it was. It was a tough. Also, like, I don't know about you, but I was like, I could not keep up with. My parents, they're like Listen. in their 70s, like sprinting around, sprinting, running up like every hill they could find. That day we did a 4.1 mile hike yes. and a lot of it was uphill. Yeah. The sand dune wasn't even part of the hike. That was just like, let's climb up here to, see, to see the view, which it was beautiful and I'm glad we did it, but it was sure. so hard. Um and my Fitbit was like, are you training for the Olympics? Way to go. Yes. And the Dune I mean, Olympics. It, it, it was super fun. It was great. But part of what kept propelled me forward was like, I cannot let these people beat me. <laughs> <laughs> and Larry, my stepdad, had run like four miles that, that morning. morning. Yeah. I <laughs> he got, he got like a four mile run and then. We need to do this hike with us, and we're like half their age, and we're struggling over here. We are less oh than God. half of their age, and it's no, it's absolutely true. And the one thing that like I kept thinking when we were out in that hike was like we would not survive the diabolical divide. Never. No. We'd have to find the zip zap. We'd have to find immediately, the zip zap or like the roller coaster or the crane, like any of the many devices that tend to remove right. people from the divide, like. Our only I, option. Yeah, I, I, I feel confident in that. I would. One of us would find the zip zap. You're really good at directions. Mm-hmm. I'm smart when it counts, and <laughs> just when it counts, because when it doesn't, fucking moron. Nick of time, intellect. Nick of time, intellect. Um, I've got it. You yeah. need it. I've got that. I've got that. Um, yeah. I'm also from the Bronx. I'm used to running, so yeah. I. <laughs> the only times I almost got beat up. As yeah. a child, yeah. I ran a lot. I also threw punches. I can I can fight, but not a fireball. Not a fire. Oh my god! Who I'm can fucking fireballs? Yeah. Speaking of fights, we oh. should probably get into. Jesus uh... Christ! Let's do it. <laughs> Let's. I mean, by all means. Okay, so transition noise. Today's episode is Chapter Forty Four of Model Land by Tyra Banks, Wicked Couture. So okay, so where we left off. Right? Like, it's this 
flashback sequence where we're learning about LaDonna's secret baby and Cremolata Defecata. Her name's Defecate. I always say Defecata. But yes. Def- Defecate's Defecate. like mm. betrayal and the baby. We think it's going to be Tookie, but it ends up being CL. Right? Yeah. And that's the very last line of the previous chapter. So I'm expecting. We were. We are joking on Discord about, like, what CL's reaction to this was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she's going to be like, I'm not no baby. Like, no one's been putting a thumb in my mouth, but, like, since, you know, Rio de Janeiro. Or, like, she's going to have, like, a fun, quirky line. And I was wrong. CL, like, sort of begins the chapter with this description of how, like, shocked and terrified she is. And I actually think this is, like, kind of the highlight of the chapter. She's, like, Toki's observing CL having, like, quick breathing, sharp in and out, like... Her chest collapsed with each exhale as though an invisible assailant was stabbing her with a dagger. I was like, come on, description. Like, give it to us, Tyra. Yeah, this was good, actually. Um, So she immediately begins hyperventilating, which is like, yeah, not only am I finding out that the Belladonna is my mom right now, but also that my mom has been fucking torturing me. Yeah. And it's like my, like, nemesis. Yes. And, And like, like, I didn't get a choice in how... I interacted with my own mother. Like, maybe had she known that the Belladonna was her mom, it would have helped Seal, like, go through, like, the death of her friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And obviously, like, that's... I kind of wish that we kind of got some of that, right? Like, Seal, even though it would be a little bit weird to start, like, voicing this, would be like, oh my gosh, like, all of this, like... And I don't know, maybe maybe we'll get there. Maybe, maybe the... the people in this chapter will get to kind of have a crucial conversation we hope but for now it's just high drama creamy is like it hurts doesn't it she starts basically rubbing it in cl's face being like she's you know your mama and she's always treated you like really badly and she sacrificed her tiny baby for her own face and cl says in protest but i have green eyes that baby in the flashback had gray eyes and i was like this is basically the discussion in our discord where people are like all right name everyone in the cast name everybody's eye color we gotta figure this out because i'm gonna tell you something there's nobody more obsessed with eye color than people who have light colored eyes like you guys need to get over it you're gonna lose your eyesight first it hurts in the sun i know it does just like fucking calm down you're not special because your eyes are like light oh people who are like oh my eyes change color in the sun no shut up dumbass like no they don't that no one's eyes like oh yeah also like you know that's like me being like my skin changes color in the dark because i can't see it right my hair changes color when i put sun in (laughs) now what now what are you gonna do as if it's special, and y'all are so annoying with this. Both Claire and I have like beautiful brown eyes. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just very like it's very, especially coming from like a person of color. It's very yeah. like Euro- Eurocentric beauty standards, oh, yeah. and like it's sort of a reflection of everything, almost everything else in this book. I I, I was thinking about it, and like Tyra very specifically only describes skin color when it's light. If, if there are any dark-skinned people here in this book, um, which I think Wingtip is, specifically because she says he's warm-skinned, warm and she yeah. won't describe exactly what color his skin is. But if you have, like, light skin, if it's, like, alabaster, if it's, like, olive, if it's any of those colors, she is very, very... I mean, 
there's too much description in this book. So for the, there to be lack of description in one specific place, which just so happens to be any dark skin. Yeah. Is very telling to me in that, you know, it, it is like just sort of like a reflection of like Eurocentric beauty standards and the obsession with eye color is it's, so funny. Obsession is the word for it. And someone I, in the discord said she could have just not said the eye color. Yeah. Right, yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Like this, like, I think all of your notes are, are valid on this, but the thing that like, in addition to what you're saying that like really gets me going is that. Like, eye color is such a trope, especially in, like, fantasy. As if, like, a person's eye color is, like, denotes, like, their magical potential or heroism, right? Like, it annoys the fuck out of me. Like, I remember reading... I remember someone finally convinced me to read the first Game of Thrones book. And I had watched the first season, so I was like, oh, like, I kind of know what happens. And I started reading it, and I was like, oh my god, wait. Like, this is just, like, every high fantasy trope ever. Mm. Like, Daenerys Targaryen, like, shows up, and she's, like sexy moonlit hair and lavender eyes and i was like this was everyone's gaia online avatar in like 2002 george rr mm-hmm. R. martin's not imaginative he's just pulling from like the like pornographic fantasy girl that like everyone's imagined into their works i mean i have people like this like in my books too but yeah just the the hyper focus on like eye color writers find something else to make remarkable about your character and good on you if it's not a physical trait indicating like magical potential because that has been done to death right and like the the whole eye color thing specifically and so there's no way that Tara's not going to mention someone's eye color right like she's yeah. stuck herself this hole and anyways so she does mention like they're, they're not having a discussion about this eye color and the explanation that the Belladonna gives for the gray eyes is, well, your eyes turned green later. A common occurrence with babies born with blue or gray eyes. So, like, not even anything interesting. I thought, like, someone was going to get an eye swap or something like that. But no, right. it's just like, which is true. I mean, she's not wrong, but, like, it feels anticlimactic and, like, Well, yeah, a... because, but yeah, because the only reason why Tyra did this was so that we would be shocked that it was CL. She wanted to sort of, like, Throw us the red herring. Tell yeah. us it's not CL because her eyes are gray. As if any of us remembered CL's fucking name. Um, eye color. It is so hard yeah. to remember those little details because it's so chocked full of description. And there's another moment where that happens in the next chapter. The Belladonna is really upset and CL, like, they're basically screaming at each other. She's like, you threw me away. The Belladonna's like, well, it's because Creamy tricked me. And then Creamy cuts in, and she was like, well, what about me? Like, what about what Creamy's own? Very, like, Rose's turn. And she's like, you made me, like, climb down a mountain for you. Which, like, no, not true, because they teleported or something. Who knows? And, you know, I'm old now. That's your fault. And the Belladonna, she's back, and she's like, you're jealous. You all, you always wanted whatever I had, and no one would ever love you, though. That's the one thing that you never had because of that, like, you know, you're you're a nasty person, and I can't believe you found someone to marry you with that nasty-ass face of yours. And it's mm-hmm. a whole paragraph that basically conflates, like, you're evil and you're old, right? Like, those two things right. go hand in hand, and, like... I think Tyra's trying to do this thing where she's, like, you're as wicked on the outside as you are on the inside, because Creamy clearly is this, like, irredeemable person now, but, like, I don't think Tyra realizes that, like... We've talked about this before. She's trying to address, like, beauty standards in so much of this book, but she's also reiterating so many, like, <laughs> yeah. terrible beauty standards in so much of this book 
really what she needed to do was find a way to like kind of get out of this mindset of like there are good and bad like physical features and because what she's trying to do with this is saying like some features are really good and beautiful um, but others still aren't and it doesn't feel progressive it actually just feels like she's sort of right back in the standards of like old people are bad (laughs) like old witches should be burned like that's very much what this felt like to me yeah i agree she's not doing anything it's not giving what she thinks it's giving um (laughs) at all and in fact it would have made more sense in my opinion if creamy would have just been beautiful and show like what you look like is not a reflection of how good or bad you are as a person right um that would have been more important than sort of like yes "Mm, uh, there's no beauty standards everyone's beautiful Unless, unless, <laughs> unless you're an old ugly. bitch, then yeah. you're fucking done. That you're done. Uh, that it's over. So yeah, so they're fighting. The girls are fighting, and then the Belladonna snatches Bellissima from Creamy's hands. This is so crazy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Creamy kicks her in the chest. <laughs> This so wait, she also it is a chest kick. The Belladonna snatches Bellissima from Creamy's hands. Creamy goes, give her back, and then you would think she would grab Bellissima, right? You would think that she would make a lunge for the doll. No, she grabs both of the Belladonna's shoulders and shakes her. So I, I want you all to imagine what that must look like. Someone's holding something, the other person's like, give it back, and instead of grabbing it, just takes their shoulders and is like shaking them. And I was like, is she shaking her from like behind? Like what is what is going on here? And no, she just like shakes her so hard that clumps of dust and debris fly off of her. And then yeah, there's the chest kick, and then the Belladonna staggers backwards into the flashback females. I forgot they were there. I'm, I forgot. <laughs> All these poor women are just doing their best to psychically excavate memories and suddenly there's a fight in their office. How terrible. By the way, where's Miracle? <laughs> Mir- Miracle is off, like, dancing around causing every OSHA violation possible at the the ceremony. Like, Perfect. I yeah. was like, where is she? She just, like, danced out of the room. She's, she's like, she's bye, gone. Mom. Yeah, she's not gonna be in the book again. I know she's out of there. We're not gonna see her. Oh my gosh. So, they're fighting and then Percy yells at them to stop. Creamy shrieks and shows um, Persimmon hard and sends her reeling into the far wall. Uh, CL goes to help her to show she's a good person now. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then something very wild happens. Creamy lunges for the Belladonna once more. Just as their bodies clash, yeah. a piercing scream rang through the air, it says. Mm-hmm. Bellissima flies across the room and droplets of something lands on Tookie's cheek. Then it's dead silence. So it looks like Creamy and the Belladonna are huddled together as though they're locked in an intimate embrace, it says. Mm -hmm. Tyra's a lesbian. Mm. But then um, Tookie sees a sharp, shiny metal object piercing her mother's gut and protruding clear through her back. So it says the two women were literally like skewered together from a spike that's on the Belladonna's dress. Yeah. Yeah, her dress, which I think we mentioned this. It's spiky, like very clearly noted as spiky in the last chapter, which we thought was kind of fun. Right. But I did not remember that at all because that happened. It would have been handy to say that in this chapter. Like the, you know, the spikes were flashing dangerously. Remind us again, right? right? Because like, I'm pretty sure 
I wrote down. Give me a sec. Yeah. Um. So the we are told that the dress has spikes on page four ninety two. We're now on page five twenty four. In between all of that, we get all of the flashbacks and reveals and costume changes and oh, there's yeah. just no way for us to remember it. It's more than one chapter actually, and so. I really wish they had done what you said, which is, like, describe it again. Like, yep. give us something. Because I had to check. Was she even wearing a spiky dress? Because mm-hmm. I don't remember it. Um, and it would have made the fight more interesting, if, even if they had mentioned that in the moment, right? Like, like her dress is, like, almost looks dangerous, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think there's so much that, like, is not unpacked about, like, garments used as sort of like a type of armor and like a you know there's like an element of like protectiveness like you know saying that the belladonna's magical gown morphed to protect her as a type of like camouflage or a type of armor like that's actually really really cool and it makes me again wish that like someone with actual like fantasy and magic chops had chosen to write something about like couture and fashion i'm just gonna have to do it myself like i love talking about like wardrobe and costume design and all of that stuff bedazzled is about costume design my second Mm. book and i feel like there's so many missing opportunities for like why these things are interesting and like especially with a magic system based around it but no as it turns out tyra just needed a spiky dress so that creamy could get impaled during like a little tussle over a doll uh and we're just gonna let her we're gonna let that we're gonna let that go (laughs) we're just gonna let it happen um so the thing that oh yeah go ahead i was gonna say persimmon (laughs) so the two, is, like, Creamy's literally been impaled. Persimmon goes back together again, muttered, like, off from the side as she, like, rubs it. Like, she, like, makes, like, a joke about this. And I'm like, this is, again, like, Tyra has such a bad sense of, like, she has a class clown timing, right? Like, she makes a joke that, like, maybe would be funny elsewhere, but it's just, it, t- it deflates the tension so quickly. And, like, like immediately, Tyra, like, not now. Like, let the moment breathe. Let us all gasp. Like, let's not make this a, a, a fun little prankster joke, which is what happens when you add a character making sort of a really glib remark to, like, what should be a really intense moment. I agree. It was very funny, but probably not the right place to put something like that. Mm-hmm. So this really bothered me. So so if you remember, droplets of some, it says droplets of something landed on Chucky's cheek. This is mm-hmm. before she realized, like, she watched her mom basically get shish kebobbed, right? Yeah. And then... She rubs, she wipes the moisture from her face and realizes that it's blood, but she watched the spike go through her mom. Yeah. It says she watched it happen. Yeah. But she doesn't react until she wipes the blood from her face and it's like, it's blood. What did you think was going to happen if a spike is, like, it's just so ridiculous. Like, yeah. And I can tell the reason, right. The reason why they did this was so that Persimmon could get in her stupid fucking joke. (laughs) That's the worst part of it. Because that's the only thing between Tookie realizing that and her wiping the blood. Like, Tyra probably thought, you know, the droplet of something landing on her cheek. Right. And then her realizing it's blood was, like, so powerful that she couldn't divorce herself from, like, that. Yeah. When they say kill your darlings, this is what they mean. Like, you can't get so attached to a sentence, even if you think it's good, that you do something like this with it. It's (laughs) just so bad. Yeah, a lot of, like, Model Land, you have to sort of imagine from, like, like as a stage, right? Because, like, if you sort of sit and actually 
go through each action in the order, like, nothing makes sense. Because only after this does she yell, creamy! Like, she, her mom's already been, like, stabbed. Her mom's presumably been stabbed for, like, 10 to 20 seconds at this point, right? Yeah. But that's, that kind of timing doesn't really exist in Model End. It's sort of like, I actually imagine it's like a comic strip, right? Because it's very, like, panel here, panel there. Nothing can happen at the same time. No. Creamy's down. Creamy's down, guys. She's down bad. Blood gushes from her wound. The Belladonna's, like, pale from shock. She did not get stabbed. She's just wearing the stabbing garment. And right. Creamy writhes desperately to... She unimpales herself. She pulls herself Ugh. off the spike. Disgusting. Uh, and once she did, she spins around and staggers a few steps away. Eyes rolling back. Reddish froth spills from her lip. You know, real, real dramatics here from Creamy. And she crumbles to the ground and kill me. Creamy, take me with you. Toki runs over and goes, oh my God, mommy. <laughs> and suddenly, like, kneels by her side and is like, mommy, mommy, no. Like, she whispers, cradling Creamy's head. And I was like, I don't know what you thought at this moment, but I was like, please, Tyra, do not give us a tender moment with these two. Do not. It is so deeply inappropriate to, like, have this right now. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time Tookie has ever called Creamy anything other than Creamy. Yeah. So it's clearly meant to be very important. Right. Meanwhile, where's my brain? How did she kick her in the chest if the spike is so big? How'd she shake her shoulders if that spike is so big? Like, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me. That's what I'm thinking, right? I'm still thinking about the spike and the logistics. And here, Tiki is like, mommy, and I'm supposed to be, I'm not emotional. No. Because I'm thinking about the spike, okay? I'm, I got my eye on the spike. I'm focused on the spike. Let's keep talking about the spike. Do not care. And it's like, not only don't do I not care about what happens to Creamy, because she 100% deserves to die. Yeah. I don't care what Tookie feels towards her either, because her character is so deeply unlikable, so blah, so nothing. Yeah. She makes Bella Swan look like the most... Proactive. Proactive fucking character. Opinionated person. Yes. yes. Like, truly. So, so this whole thing... This is what why when you're building towards something in a book, it's supposed to make you feel something towards the end. You're so we were supposed to spend the last five hundred and twenty four pages getting to know Tookie, yeah. rooting for her, yeah. becoming attached to her, so that when these moments happen, we feel something. Yeah. Instead, I am wondering how Tookie didn't get hurt and where the spikes are placed on the dress specifically. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's sort of like when, you know, it reminds me of like those scenes from movies. There's like a war zone and like there's one old person who's just like ardently focused on like their crocheting as like things like bombs are going off because it's like among all this chaos, we are just focusing on the things that we can control or give us the illusion of control and the spike. Oh God, the spike. Well, you're gonna have dreams about that. You're gonna be. You're gonna wake up with like. You're gonna have like diagrams of the well, stress. Well, the thing that bothers me is yeah. that I'm noticing that I write a lot of things that are already. I wrote a lot of things in my YA that appear in this book. It's just I didn't do them in the same way Tyra did. Yeah. Um. And in my YA, one of my characters wears a spiked dress to 
a gala because she's going with an older man and she doesn't want him to touch her. But the spikes are very, very small. Yeah. It's not like something that can impale somebody. (laughs) Yeah. No, there's no... Logistics is not something that um, really appear in the realm and the reality of of Model Land. But... It would have been cool if the spikes grew and, like, got smaller. Clairebelt, Clairebelt, we're gonna gonna move on from the spikes now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We gotta... We gotta... If you want to call me after we're done recording and you want to talk about it a can little bit. Can we do a special Patreon special. just so we can talk about the spikes? Absolutely. Look, I will promise you that we will come back to it if you will just let us move on to the next thing. Okay. <laughs> One more thing. Can oh, no. we reenact? Let's do a thing where you like make a spike out of cardboard and we try to reenact this whole thing. It's called and- Perseveration. This is because you're building origin story. Not model in, but the one spike dress that the Belladonna wears. Uh. <laughs> okay, so Creamy's, Creamy's down, and Toki's like, Mommy? And Creamy's like, what did you call me? <laughs> Which made me laugh. Yeah, she's lucid. Suddenly. <laughs> yeah, she like wakes up from death and is like, what did you say? And Toki goes, uh, Ma, I mean, Creamy. Like, she corrects herself. And, oh, God, my all my nightmares come true because... Creamy, like, you know, she whispers, like, Toki, like, they're having this, like, tender moment, mm-hmm. and, like, blood is gushing out of her wound in time with her heartbeat, like, like, Creamy's about to, like, pass away, and Toki's like, what was that, Creamy? And she, like, leans in close to, like, try to hear what her mom's whispering to her on her deathbed, and all the negativity she'd felt about her mother was instantly replaced by fervent, protective love. Creamy may not have been the best mom of the world, but she was all Tookie had, which is, first of all, remarkably untrue because we spent the entire book watching Tookie, like, have, like, a found family, right? Like, I kind of thought that was the point of everything. There is no point. Right. There was never... The only point is the spike. (laughs) Oh, God! Enough! Enough out of you. I don't want to hear about that fucking spike. And you know what? It better not be your fucking thorn. I know you're going to make the joke when the time comes, and I'm not having it. I'm I didn't not... even think that far ahead. I did. Oh, well, I did. Constant vigilance with you. Constant vigilance. But no, like this, it was all Tookie had. Like all this nonsense, like it feels so hollow because we forgot about Creamy for like two thirds of this book, mm. right? Like she was not in it. And then she wasn't really even like lording over Tookie. Like Tookie never had, like never turned a corner with her or any of this stuff. She just sort of showed up and immediately gets impaled uh, right. filthily. And... I'm like, just let her go. Like, if she were to die, like, is it really that sad? She's done nothing redeemable. In fact, if anything, our impression of Creamy has gotten a lot worse in the past couple of chapters because we've just watched her be a home, like, a homewrecking bitch, basically. Like, that's what that was Tyra's goal, was it not? So no right. killing Creamy. Like, you, you, okay. My rant is going to end on this. In anime, really in anything, but it's really clear in anime, if a character gets a backstory reveal, they're going to die. Right? Like, and it's usually because we learn about them, we get invested in them, like, we learn, like, who they are, we become sympathetic. And then they're pulled away from us and it creates, you know, sadness on the on the viewer's part. Tyra did this wrong because we should have learned about, like, Creamy being, like, a hero or something. Like, we should have learned about, like, her side of the story or something like that. And that would have set right. us up to be right. really upsetting, right? Like, what if we got, like, a backstory that gave Creamy some, gave us some perspective on why Creamy was the way that she was? Right. No, no, no. 
Instead, we just get all this backstory about how she's actually so much worse. So now she's being stabbed to death. And, like, my reaction is, like, oh, okay. Well, she sucked. Like, bye. Right. Yeah, not to mention, like, all the chapters with her before this was of her, like, sending innocent children and their mothers to death because they were (laughs) prettier than uh, Miracle. And it would have been so much more interesting if that hadn't happened. We see Creamy making her way to Madeline and the reason why she made her way to Madeline was to help Chucky, right? Yeah. Um, <gasps> to help great. Chucky and then we see the backstory and the and we realize why she is the way that she is. Yeah. And then she dies. Yes. Then it, we could have mustered some feeling for her but instead we get this and it's just a shame. I love that idea. I think you're exactly yeah. right. So, so she's trying to get a word out and Chucky's like what is it and basically like all it says all the negativity that she had ever felt towards her mom it's like replaced by protective love and like yeah. Tyra's trying to tell us how to feel in this right. moment yeah. um, and it's just not gonna work and then the words finally come out and uh, Creamy asks for Bellissima and that's the end of that chapter <laughs> Why would you end a chapter there? <laughs> like, why not give us Tookie's reaction, like, or something? Yeah, she's just like, Tookie, get me my Bellissima. Bellissima. Which, I don't know. I'm waiting for the doll to have some sort of reveal, but we are running out of chapters. That, do we think the doll is, like, magic or special somehow? Because, like, why is Bellissima so important to Creamy? I thought by now we would find out. Like, I don't know what the point is 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 she sort of like an obelisk situation with cl where it's like a representation of somebody who she's lost or some sort of like i feel like it's going to be like a last minute solution to something or like a last minute like oh this suddenly fixes uh everything for creamy or whatever the fuck i don't know i it's either going to be nothing or something that Tyra, like, built in thinking it was going to be really clever as, like, a last-minute right. mechanism. Unfortunately, I feel like Bellissima's function was revealed in the Belladonna's, like, when she was ridiculing Creamy. She says something along the lines of, like, is that why you carry around this pathetic doll? So you have total control over something? Anything? So you have something to oh, love you? Oh, yeah. I don't think that the doll will have... Well, first of all, we don't know because the second two books in this trilogy are not written that we know of well, yeah that we know of but um when we hack into tyra's mainframe or when we be- befriend her whichever happens first i do plan to ask this because like you i thought oh the doll would be a great place to like hide something like a you know like some sort of artifact or a, probably like a smize or something like that like it, it could come in handy as like a vessel for something like the doll's got to have a purpose my belief is that the the purpose of that doll is just it's like dressing. It's like window dressing on Creamy's character. It's just yeah. something to make her kind of kooky crazy and to, as the Belladonna says, like show that she's so deranged in her love that she carries around this doll that can never like refuse to be her daughter, basically. Because both of her daughters are in some way rebellious. Yeah, I, I, I think that's probably correct. I was thinking maybe like Creamy was going to die and then Tookie would like find out the truth from something hidden inside of the doll. Or oh my god! What like if that. like the doll like <laughs> Creamy dies and then pull, Toki pulls like a cord on the back of Bellissima <laughs> and Bellissima like gives a monologue and Bellissima is the Greek chorus. I right? really hope She's that happens. Like, god, please! <laughs> oh, Tyra, write this down. Tyra, get your pen out. Okay, so what 
is your rose and what's your thorn for this chapter? Okay, my rose is that I like when characters die. It's really exciting for me. Like, I think that it's always a good thing to be able to effectively kill a character. Unfortunately, this character wasn't killed effectively, so that's not really a great rose. I guess if I had to, like, pick something that I actually really liked in this, I do like the visceral descriptions that Tyra put in of Sale's reaction of, like, creamy bleeding out, right? Like, there's uh, there's an element of, like, vividness in the writing mm-hmm. in this chapter that I think uh, I think is good. I think, I think Tyra gets some kudos from me on that. My thorn... <laughs> I see you. Oh, you're, you're laughing. No, I was no. I was all right, all right. I, I I just feel like I feel like I know it's gonna come out of your mouth, but I'm not gonna say a thing. Okay, my thorn is probably the persimmon joke. So stupid, dumb, and badly placed. Badly and... placed, and the choreography of that whole moment is really dumb. Very. Super incredibly. Yeah. My rose is the kick to the chest. Uh, <laughs> that sent me hurtling off my bed. It was so funny. <laughs> so funny. This is the second time that there's like a high kick in this book. <laughs> yes. And like, I just really loved it. One just happened like a few chapters ago. Something yeah. gets kicked in the side. Wasn't it also creamy? Why is she, Someone, why is she, why is she no, Steven it was, Seagal? <laughs> it was persimmon kicking Ciel and telling her to shut up what with, the with a round That's even worse. So like, everyone is just good at kicking. Good. There are so many thorns to choose from. I'm not gonna choose a dress. Um, you can if you want. No, no. It that that's not actually my thorn though. There's so many worse things. I think the sort of like a forcing of like what's supposed to be a tender moment in this chapter really is my thorn because like it falls flat and like. The heavy-handedness in this book is, like, really, really obvious. Like, Tyra having Tookie call her mom creamy this whole time was probably only so she could call her mommy in this scene. And, like, that to me is so one-dimensional and, like, really just bad writing. Like, you can't do one thing just to pull something off and it not have any sort of weight or meaning behind it. Right. You need to have a reason. You need to have sort it would have been a lot more powerful if Tyra not sorry, Tookie decided to call Creamy Creamy and not Mommy because she didn't love her because she treated her like shit. That's a great idea. Instead of just having her mom force her to call her creamy right. and then her call her mommy, like we don't see sort of like her wanting to call her anything but creamy. Like she's used to it. It's not a big deal. Considering she doesn't have a good relationship with her full name. It also kind of strikes me as odd that she would force someone, yeah, force someone to call her that all the time. So yeah, so the whole mommy part and 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 Chucky suddenly like letting go of any anger towards her mom felt so unrealistic. Yeah, I think you can care about what's gonna happen to somebody without forgetting that. They also treated you like shit their entire life. Yeah. And, like, that conflict to me is a lot more interesting than, like, actually, never mind, I forgive you for everything. Yeah, JK, now. JK, we're, mm-hmm. we're over because you're in peril. Yeah, she has a line in that that's, like, I just wanted, like, as Creamy died, like, Tookie just wanted her to know that, like, she was loved or something like that, too. 
And this just feels like a hodgepodge of, like, every sad other thing that Tyra maybe has absorbed in her, you know, her time absorbing, like, other media, right? Like, I don't feel like she really thought about what these pieces meant when she was putting them down. She's just surface level sort of pulling from, like, her stash of, like, oh, drama, like, scenes from other things and putting them, putting them on paper and they don't, they just don't make sense. There's nothing, yeah. there's nothing, like, coherent about, like, these emotional beats. At all. One thing y'all might want to do when you've got a character that has, like, a nemesis or, like, a, you know, a person that they really hate is in a book so that you don't end up with something like this is sort of map out that person's, like, your main character's attitude towards that person as they change. Because, yeah. ideally, you've got a character that's morphing and changing because of the events that appear in your plot. And so their yeah. attitude sourcing should also, you know, they should change as well. And... I know with the Honeys, for instance, which has a lot to do with, like, grief, and uh, the main character Mars loses his sister really early on in the book, like, I actually made an outline that was like, alright, like, here's Mars's relationship with, like, death, basically, and, like, you know, the passing of his sister, like, through the events of the book, because I wanted there to be a progression, so that by the end it wasn't just like, oh epiphany out of nowhere sort of like this uh that yeah. it actually felt like you know it had been building and and that's where it came from too so yeah this stuff doesn't have yeah. to be mysterious yeah i i totally agree with you and i think that's a really really good tip i think it's important to track that and to make mm-hmm. it realistic like we don't change our opinions about people first of all from one moment to another or or because something bad happens to them we might gain sympathy for them in that moment because of that but it doesn't erase all of the bad things that happened before especially a lifetime of abuse of emotional abuse which is what creamy put tookie through right tookie literally only has a stutter when she talks to her mom yeah because she's so afraid of her yeah and i think that it invalidates that trauma and that abuse when you make her wipe the slate clean like i also have a scene like this in witchlings where there's a character who really misunderstood another character but that doesn't change the fact that she was hurt by that character Mm -hmm. and she expresses that and she says even though the things that happened didn't happen because i thought that doesn't mean i didn't get hurt and i still have every right to be angry yeah i'm like yes (laughs) right what would have been great is if tookie had been like First of all, this chapter is four pages long. All yes. Right? Like, we're really... Believe it or we're not. We're really milking it. There's a lot to talk about in those four pages. But, like, there's tons of room, just timing-wise, for Tookie to even, like, say, like, there's so much that I want to say to my mom. There's so much that, like, has yet to be said that needs to be said. But there is no time, and she is dying. And I am making the choice to sacrifice the justice I need and the closure that I need to give her one moment of love, something that she never gave me. Right. Like what what a painful, hard thing to do. What a sign of maturity. Right. Or just of heartbreak. Right. Not even that it's like that admirable, but like that would have been a great moment. And I just wrote it while talking. Right. Like that. It could have taken like two lines to sort of explain like why Toki does this uh, instead of, vacating her of an entire character's worth of like you know hatred right like towards this mother person who's been bad uh, and replacing it with like love so I'm with you on that that's actually a great Thorne thank you for not mentioning the spike I wasn't going to I mentioned it enough (laughs) so that is the end of uh, 
of this chapter we are so close to the end yeah. it is ridiculous i think we have like three chapters to go or something we've like got that. i think four and so okay. yeah 45 is a, a big one and then i think it's like two chapters and there's like a I haven't looked at it, though, but there, it looks like maybe it's like an epilogue. It definitely is going to need its own episode, though, because it's long. And it's in the font that is Tookie's handwriting when she writes letters. Oop, so I okay. don't don't know what's in it. I have no idea. I don't think that's a spoiler, but I think it's going to be something worth talking about. And then we do have the acknowledgments also. So we'll have to read those and see if they're worth making a full episode out of them. But yeah. maybe we can do like a wrap-up episode, and that can be included in it. I, um, I I just know that what's going to happen is you're going to read the acknowledgments, and you're going to Google every single fucking name that she yeah. in that list. Yeah, you, know? you already know I'm going to be in research mode. I mean, it's really fun to do that because, yeah. like, Nine out of ten times, there's, like, Something some sort fun, of, like, yeah. animosity or, like, funny story that goes with things. And yeah. it just makes it more interesting. Pirate is I love how a- in Discord people are, like, Clarabel, does Tyra have a Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so, uh, I, first of all, I know the answer. And second of all, I've suddenly become, like, a Tyra Banks historian. Yes. I just, if they do a documentary about her... They need to invite us because we are model land experts at this point. Right. Like we truly, I don't know anybody that's invested this much time into model and like this many hours. Like not even Tyra did. Not even Tyra. (laughs) Right. Like I, I think we know the book probably the best out of anybody on earth right now, just because it's been some time since like edits and things like that have gone on this book. Right. Like, so it's really like we are the world's leaders. <laughs> We're the, the leading experts when it comes to... We're the world's l- leaders on um, all things model. Model of entire pigs. And as is our Discord. I mean, like, what a, what a place of scholarship <laughs> in the BABC <laughs> Discord. Like, I sometimes... Glad to know my parents came to the United States so that I could do this. God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. What a, what a weird life we have this is i would rather i would not want to be doing this with anybody else i would not want to be spending my time on anything else this is no uh, and i could be having the worst day of my life and i start talking about model land and suddenly yeah it's gonna be fine yeah it's good because it'll be a-okay at least i'm not tookie oh god yeah although sometimes i do want to just go to sleep and wake up where i'm supposed to be that would be that would be wonderful really lovely Oh, um, speaking of less stressful, (laughs) speaking of we both of us have read the next chapter. We're going to do a separate episode for it. But like buckle (laughs) buckle up, girlies. Yeah, you guys speaking of places Tokyo should not be. (laughs) There's a great chapter coming up. And I just can tell it's going to give both of us angina. It sure is. It sure is. If you want to find us on social media. We are on Twitter at Bad Author Pod. Our Instagram is Bad Author Book Club. And our website is badauthorbookclub.wordpress.com. You can find uh, the podcast on anchor.fm slash badauthorbookclub. And um, there are links to pretty much all of the major podcasting networks that um, host us. Um, if you want to follow me, Clarabelle, I'm on Insta, Twitter, and TikTok at Clarabelle underscore Ortega. And please go pre-order my graphic novel, Frizzy, which 
just got its very first trade review and it's a star from Kirkus. That so. is wow, that is so cool. Yeah, Kirkus is famously not nice. Um yeah. uh if Kirkus, if you're listening, I love you. I'm just kidding. But uh yeah, they can they can really tear you a new one. They, it could be a real kick in the chest. It could be a real, a, real... a real spike through the real... through the through this through the chest. So um so I'm uh grateful that uh our graphic novel got a star and if you guys could all go check it out that would be really incredible and please go continue to buy witchlings because um i i'm doing well we're going into our second printing yes so huge deal exciting huge 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 deal oh and if you'd like to follow me ryan i am the ryan lasala on twitter Instagram and TikTok and while you're at it following me in all those lovely places the honeys comes out August 16th we are in sort of the home stretch where uh, if you pre-order the book you'll get some gifts if you like check out my site you can sort of find where I'll be event wise I'm about to announce a book tour which is stateside I've got some fun news coming up about where in the world honeys will be published so hang tight for that can't share it yet and yeah please go out and uh support our books support the honeys witchlings frizzy all those good things and uh we will see you next time hot queens see you next week hot queens biggest kisses